0: Welcome to church. Let's stand to our feet and worship together. guys but i love the fact that god's mercies are new each and every single day that means whenever we wake up it's a clean slate and i just i love that because i feel like with every single day we have a new opportunity a new chance to grow a new chance to move forward and that's our god he never wants to leave us in the same place He never wants us to just be content with where we're at or the status quo. He wants to continue to take us to do a brand new thing. And I feel like each new day is a reminder of that. And so we have that opportunity. We've come together here this morning to seek Him, to not just go through the motions, to not just do church, but these moments are precious. Better is one moment in His presence than a hundred days, a hundred years, thousand years anywhere else because things happen when we get in the presence of God and that's what worship's all about it's us being unified it's us inviting the Holy Spirit of God to come and speak to us to change us and to do something new so that you can be changed right now in this moment so that when you leave here you are not the same and I love that about God I love that he wants to grow us and so let's just invite him in these moments. God, do something new in my heart. Let, let my praise just not be going through the motions, but let it be an offering to you. Say, God, here's my life. Do what you want with it. Change, mold, shape, whatever. God, I'm open to it. So let's just invite an atmosphere right now where that can happen.
1: Crushing in the pressing
0: not rest or settle, God, but know that there's deeper places you want to bring us to, that there's more in life than even what we've seen, God. And so I pray, Father, that you would just reveal that to our hearts. You would open our eyes to that this morning, God, and that we would leave here forever changed because we've met with you, we've encountered you, and we've taken a step saying, you know what, there's more and I want more of it. So, God, all throughout this building, let your presence be felt, that your promises and your truth be known. Everyone joining us online and in the cafe, God, students, children, everyone, Lord, let us hear from you this morning. Be with Pastor Chris as she delivers the message, God. Let us receive it with joy, with gladness, God, and let us respond with obedience. We love you. And we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Getting all caught up and tangled here with all my cords. So how's everyone doing? Everyone good? Everyone having a great Memorial Day weekend so far? You guys been grilling? Who's been grilling? Anybody? Nobody yet? Like five people on my street, have been grilling, and I walk outside, and it's five different things they're cooking, and so my entire cul-de-sac just smells like meat, so I mean, it smells good, but I can't really tell what they're making, so Um, it is also kite day, and so we have uh, been pushing this. We're going to fly some kites after service. There's going to be some food, some hot dogs, and so we really want to encourage you guys to join us for that. It's going to be a great time, and we thought, you know what? Maybe we need to do a little game to go along with Kite Day. And so if you are anything like me, uh, if you have to put together anything, it takes you entirely too long, even the simplest things, and then throw in something from Ikea and you're there two weeks. Uh, but we wanted to do a challenge. Uh, who thinks they can build one of these store-bought kites really, really fast? I already got one in the back. She's back from college, too, to do this. Come on. Come on. Yeah. All right, we already got our two contestants. We are good. Let's give them a round of applause. All right. So, to let everyone know who you are Jason Severson. Everyone say hi, Jason. I'm Hannah. And this is Hannah. Everyone say hi, Hannah. Hannah. All right. So, here are your stations. Don't be deceived. This took me entirely too long to do as well. So, and I broke it three times. But, so, you're going to try to put these flags together as quickly as you can. And so, who, so flag, did I say flags? Man, flag day? What, 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 what am I doing? Yeah. What am I talking about up here? Kite day. All right. Put the kites together as quickly as you can. And whoever can do that the fastest Gets a special gift. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, because then there's gonna be people running on stage to push you out. So, what you guys need to do is you need to cheer them on and give them any kite making advice that you can. So, one, count of three. You guys just go for it. One, two, three, go. Have
2: your own set of wings. With your right, so feet on, on the ground, you're a
0: bird Already in having night. to evaluate. What do I do with this string and these poles? You guys may say, what are you guys talking about? Like, building a kite is easy. Well, it's not for me. Man, she's flying.
2: Yes, we do. Alright, you guys want to hear some facts about
0: kites while they're building these from Jetty? She, she's You're a wizard here. You're not
3: believe these. Okay. The fastest recorded speed of a kite is over 120 miles per hour.
0: I think because they were doing that in a hurricane, it had, yes. had to have
3: been. Yes. Does anyone know how many kilometers that is? It says okay. um, <laughs> <seven laughs> in here. That's why I asked. The record for the longest kite fly is 180 hours.
1: Well, that's Do you guys believe this? Because like I don't. Tag teaming that.
3: The highest kite has flown 12,471 feet. That is, I don't know. The largest number of kites. Kly, kites. It's a combination of a kite and a flag. Better than flags. Um, kites flown on a single line. I didn't even know this. Okay. On one line, it's 11,284.
0: I feel like you would get carried into this guy.
3: It was a Japanese kite maker. So. Yeah. I um,
0: See, I did too. See? The that's fastest no. anyone's
3: ever assembled a kite is I believe that's not here today. So. Done. <laughs> he's done. He's done. Oh. All right. Let's see if it flies. Oh, he's not done. He's not oh, done. He's Keep, going. Keep, Keep
0: going. he got Keep going. Don't give up, Hannah. Okay. Um, Just roll with it. It's okay. I broke it too. Oh, man. It's all good.
3: This is very interesting. Chris has more facts, or I would just keep reading. I know.
0: We might have to steal some of hers.
3: Yeah, this is very interesting. Um, There are 78 rules in kite flying in Thailand. Rules? Rules. Hmm. I I don't
0: think we're going to be doing this today.
3: Can anyone think of a rule? Okay, wait a minute. Okay, now you have to run across the stage and see if it flies. I was kidding, but he's actually doing it. All
0: right. (laughs) Jason wins.
3: All right, good news is you both get to keep your
0: kites. And I know it's broken, I know. And he gets a Chick-fil-A gift card for winning. Yeah, y'all would've been running onto this stage, wouldn't you, yeah. Let's give them another round of applause. Thank you guys so much for building your kite. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and uh, worshiping with us this morning. Uh, Happy Memorial Day weekend to each and every single one of you. If you are a guest with us, we are so glad that you are here. Uh, We want to encourage you when you leave here, go visit the first-time guest table. Uh, We have a gift for you, and we just want to answer any questions that you might have about the church. We're going to be taking our tithes and offerings during this next song. Uh, Wanted to let you guys know that our credit card and debit card machines are down. Uh, so if you usually give in that way, we want to encourage you to give through the Salem Fields Community Church app. It's really simple. It's the same uh, program that does the, the machines out there. It's safe, it's secure, and it's quick. So I want to encourage you to do that, or you can go online to SalemFields.com giving, and you can give that way. We just want to encourage you, if you usually give in that way, definitely utilize those two sources because, again, uh, your generosity and your giving really helps us keep this ministry going. And so it is so valued and is so cherished. And so we thank you guys so much for that. If you're a guest with us, do not feel obligated to give at all, but there are many ways that you can give, as I said, through the app or online at salofields.com slash giving, or you can uh, give as those buckets come by, uh, cash or check in those. And so we just wanna encourage you again, just give with a chill for our heart and know that that makes a deep impact in us fulfilling the vision and mission of Sandler Fields Community Church. Say Yes is happening. This is what we have focused on for this summer, to really just uh, have a focus for our volunteers to give you uh, awesome ministry opportunities and serving opportunities. You know, so many people go on vacation all throughout the summer, and so it leaves holes throughout the weekend and throughout the week as well. And so we want to encourage you. All we're asking is for somebody to commit to serving four weeks over a 10-week period. And so it's just uh, four times. And so there are many different ministries that you can serve. All that information and everything that's available is out at those tall pallets. So I want to encourage you to visit there as you leave, and somebody will answer any questions that you might have and get you all set up. Let's watch this video.
2: They stood side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and answered the call. They moved forward, advancing the ideas that everyone was free, everyone was created equal, everyone has the right to pursue their own dreams, and that our nation was founded on those ideals. But not all of them came back. Some remained, never to go home, never to see their families, and some we lost this side of the field of battle. They were sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, greatly loved. They charged forward for honor and peace and freedom. We acknowledge the empty space where we want them to be. Together we pay sincere tribute to those who fought for us, those we remember, those we love.
0: Let's take a moment of silence for those that paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could worship here for you this morning. to us, you want to lead us, and God, as we open our, our hearts for you to show us that there is more, God, that there is so much more for us, and we just pray that we would respond in obedience. We love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated.
4: Well, good morning, Salem Fields. How's everybody doing today? Feeling good, yeah, Memorial Day weekend, the start of summer, and kite day, woo, it's gonna be awesome. So as Jody mentioned, um, I have a couple of facts to share with you, some awesome, I'm I'm a trivia buff, by the way, I like to play trivia games, lots of useless facts. Does anybody else enjoy useless facts? Well, I'm gonna give you a whole bunch of them today to kinda take for the next trivia experience. Um, So just a question, what, what country do you think kites originated in? China. You got it right on, right on. China, over here. Some winners. China and Malaysia. Um, it, 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 historians don't really know with kites, uh, the exact date that kites originated, probably around 2,000 to 3,000 years ago, believe it or not. And the original functions of kites were for wars and battle, believe it or not. Kind of connects to Memorial Day a bit. For signaling, for lifting observers, maybe that string of however many thousand kites that was mentioned, to lift people up for target practice, also for dropping letters and newspapers over enemy lines or whatnot. Um, uh, Did you know that an average of 12 people are killed each year by kites? What a way to go, huh? (laughs) Definitely. Death by kite. Um, I can ensure you, by the way, that we our insurance policy here at Salem Fields Community Church is paid up for our kite day, so heaven forbid. Um, and, and kind of along those lines, well, how, how does that happen? It's actually by the strings. People in certain countries fight kites and fly kites, and they line the strings with sharp uh, glass and whatnot. So 12 people killed by kites, believe it or not. Um, did you know that kites were banned in Japan in 1760? Year 1760. Can you guess why kites were banned in Japan? People were flying kites instead of going to work. (laughs) Seriously, they were flying kites, and they had to make a rule, they had to make a law to forbid kite flying so people would go to work. You know, what an excuse. Uh, Do you know the origins? So famous saying, go fly a kite, do you know the origins of that? Where does it actually come from? Mary Poppins, that's a great guess. Somebody guessed that in the earlier service, believe it or not, stock market crash of 1929, where kites referred to the banknotes that were worthless, that people would just toss out the window. So the saying of go fly a kite actually means tossing your banknotes out the window because it's worthless. Um, so lots of fun ideas, fun facts connect to kites and um, most of us have flown a kite here. I would hope, if not, you have a historic opportunity today, right after this service. And, and those kites that we just put together in the little game, you know, you can get them from many places, go down the street to the Dollar Tree, go to Walmart, Target, go to the beach, buy the real expensive ones that actually fly real well. Or, or you can do what I did and you can make your own kite. You can make one. And, and so I decided to put my own together today because uh, this reminded me of a time when I was in fourth grade that I had to make a kite. So it was the end of the year. Um, we have any teachers in the house, by the way? With some teachers? We, I appreciate you so much, especially if you're done school. Amen, hallelujah for the school year. <laughs> We can praise that, but usually at the end of the year, teachers are, like, scratching their heads. How do we keep the kids occupied and still let them learn because they're squirming around? And so fourth grade, my teacher, uh, Mr. Loikitz, he had an idea that he was going to give an assignment that we had to make a kite, and we could use anything but prefabbed kites. We could use anything. So, and these were in the days, by the way, of no Google. No internet. Oh my gosh, what did we do? So, you know, so we had to put things together. So my friend and I, we've got a trash bag, as you can see, and some sticks and some twine. And this is my tape because I only had painter's tape at home. And tied the corners here. And voila, we were able to make our kite together. And once again, this was in the 90s or so, and this is in the Lisa Frank era era. Lisa Frank, all the, okay, fan over here, so we have the, the, if you remember back to the 90s, if you were alive in the 90s, you remember that there were like, like the, the flashy fish, like all the colorful like fish and dolphins, and people had folders, and that's what all us girls did. So we decorated our kite with all these Lisa Frank type fish, and it was so much fun, um, but the thing was, our assignment was not just about making a cute kite out of a trash bag, that... We had to bring our kite to school because there was more, there was more. That there was a kite flying contest, that this wasn't about making a kite just for display, but that the point of the kite, of course, that we know is meant to do this, fly. It's not enough just to make a kite out of a trash bag, but, but that there's a purpose for a kite. And it excited me, especially as a fourth grader who was promised that there would be a competition. I'm a competitive person, by the way. I like to win at all games. But, but there was a, a prize at risk. There was a prize there that we could earn by flying the highest kite. So uh, my friend and I, we flew our kite up as high as it could go. And um, I was secretly praying for my competition for that the trees would somehow gobble up. They're made kites, and I believe there was a bit of, of a debate, but my friend and I actually landed second place in our kite flying contest, which was which is really exciting because we were putting to use what we had made. We were putting to use what we had formed. That was more than a project, more than transforming trash into something. That this was, we were made to fly. So, so let me connect this, uh, if, you, if you're not sure where we're going today, connecting this to, to us. But, but I just want to ask the question, how many times in life do we miss our more? How many times in life do we have kites, things that we've been given, whether that's uh, resources or gifts or talents or even a calling from God that, that we have chosen not to flown? to fly. How many of us have not fulfilled the purpose God created us for because we remain on the ground? Could we be missing the purpose of what we have and even what's right in front of us Uh, That that feeling that you get when you lie awake at night, when when you are uh, lying in bed and staring up at the ceiling and wondering, is there more? Is there more than this job I just go to every day? Is there there more than this struggle that I'm in? Is there more than this situation or this person or this conflict? Is there more? And even if you're not a Christian, you know this. Even if you don't believe anything about Jesus or trying to figure out what you believe, you know this. Recently, the comedian Jim Carrey uh, gave a commencement speech to a group of graduates. And in that, he told the story of his father. And he said that his father was the greatest comedian he ever knew. He said he was 10 times funnier than I. This is Jim Carrey speaking. And he said that his father, though, chose, instead of, of taking a risk and going and becoming a comedian, going into the comedy industry, he chose a comfortable job as an accountant. There's nothing wrong with that. And he chose that comfortable job that he could, he could go to each and every day, but that a job that he wound up losing a couple years later that sent the family into a, into a spiral. But his dad never fulfilled, he believed, his purpose because he did not take that risk and dare to fly. And Jim Carrey said he learned a lot from his dad. He loved his dad, but he also learned that that there are times when it's easier to remain on the ground, but that's the easy place to be. That's not how you fulfill your calling. So is that you? You know, is that you today here today that you sense that there is more for you? Because the truth of it is there is. There is. And let me push this a little bit further. So how about this? How about when it comes to our faith? Right? Uh, have you ever wondered when it comes to your faith, when it comes to Christianity, is there more? You know, is, there, is there more than, than saying a prayer and asking Jesus into your life? And you need to do that. Is there more than just coming to church every now and then and maybe reading a s- inspirational scripture? Is, is there more than all those things? Is, is there more to being a Christian than all that? Because the truth is many of us are just bored Christians. We, we, we do the religious things or maybe think that, you know, that, that there's, that, that's what it's about. But have you ever thought that there might be more? Because there is. I say, God, God is uh, amazing because God is in the business of taking us, saving us uh, dirty trash bags. He's, he saves us as dirty trash bags from the dump that we should wind up in. And instead, he rescues us and he makes us into beautiful things. But not just to be put on display, to be used. To be used here and now. We're not just the new creation. Many of us stop there. Uh, Many of us stop at the point that we, we remember how God made the trash bag into the kite and we smile about it and we put this away. And we remember back to the time when that happened and we get on with our lives. But what we think is the finish line is actually the starting line. See, the story of Scripture points to a God who is always showing us there is more. A God who's showing us more than there's what in front of you. There's more than what you've been told. There's more than what history has taught. There's more than betrayal. There's more than what ends in crucifixion. There's more than even death. That God is always pointing us towards more. So don't stop there. Don't stop there. Maybe it's time for you to take a risk and to fly a kite. Well, I think it should make us feel a bit better because Jesus' disciples, just like us, didn't get it either, didn't fully understand what Jesus was pointing to about the more of his kingdom. It's amazing, right? This group of disciples, this group of guys, they have been traveling with Jesus for three whole years. Think about it. They've studied with the same teacher for three whole years. They came into the scene believing what everybody else had, that all the Jewish people believed that there would be a Messiah who would come and save them, who would win their country back and make it back to the good old days, that the Roman oppression would end and that this coming Messiah would be king and he would overthrow the Romans and he would bring back all that was important to them. But Jesus Jesus taught a different story, a different kingdom, a different way. And so over those three years, the disciples should have been learning a lot. And then they even saw their their leader, they saw Jesus be set to trial and then crucified and and die on a cross and then be buried in a tomb. And then uh, three days later, they met him again. And he had fulfilled what the scriptures taught, that he came back to life there was evidence, not just in the Bible, but outside the Bible, that Jesus appeared again and that he was alive. They should have been changed, right? I don't know, if I would, have met some, if I would meet somebody that was dead and came back to life, you know, wouldn't you be like, whoa, I better you know, brush up on all the things that they taught me? But the disciples continued to assume that there was a final victory ahead. They continued to assume that, that this chapter in history was just at the end, but instead Jesus pointed them to something more. He told them, you you were made for more. Not what the world is teaching you or where your tradition takes you or what everybody else has said for all these years, but you were made for more than that. So the scripture in Acts we're going to look at today uh, is written by a guy named Luke. Luke. Um, there, we have four accounts of life and ministry of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the Gospels or the Good News. And Luke is one of them. I love Luke because Luke's a scientist. I'm a scientist by training, and Luke kind of thinks like I do. So Luke, Luke was never a, a follower of Jesus in, in, among those 12. Luke actually learned about Jesus later, that he was not brought up Jewish, that he was, probably came from a Greek background, and he compiled all these accounts of, of Jesus and what Jesus had done. Well, Volume one of Luke's writings is the Gospel of Luke. But volume two is this book of Acts that tells what happens because God always has more. And so the beginning of the book of Acts says this. After his suffering, Jesus is talking about, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in the few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Let's pause there. So, Jesus is saying, you were made for more, guys. So once again, they, they, they didn't get it. Imagine everybody sitting around the dinner table at this time, swapping stories, you know, Jesus is back. And, and, and Jesus is giving instructions that it's not over. And he says, wait in Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem, and wait until the gift my father promised the Holy Spirit comes to you. But then their question in verse 6 is what? They ask, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So after three years, they're still thinking in terms of worldly history. They're thinking in terms of worldly victory. They're expecting what I call not Avengers Endgame. They're thinking Jesus Endgame here. Like this is the summation of everything. It's going to happen right in front of us. To them, greatness equaled power. Greatness equaled winning, giving the Romans what they deserved. And, and isn't that what happens to us, right? That, that the things that we've been shown and taught, that, that becomes what we think we're made for, what our think our end game actually is. But isn't there a greater purpose? Jesus calls the disciples in this passage, he calls them to a greater purpose. He shows them that you're not made for what the world has said, that kind of victory, but you're made for something more. Don't miss it. Well, just to kind of tie this together here, um, uh, there's, there's a number of things that have really my, blown my mind when I've learned their, their true uses. Um, I'm going to call this little interspersion here in my message, um, Chris's life hacks. So I'm about to blow your mind right now. So there's a number of items that we use a lot, maybe not every day, that um, we struggle with at times. But did you know that there are actually things built into those items that, that is made to help us, made for more? So, for example, you have a roll of aluminum foil. You want to wrap your casserole with aluminum foil. So, what do you do? You open up the box, you take the pull it out, and guess what? What happens to the roll? It always pops out, right? You're, like, pulling in the whole thing, and then you're, like, trying to put it back, and you're, the foil's getting all mushed up. But did you know that the aluminum foil box actually has little indentations on the sides that will secure the roll without coming out. Did you know that? It's, it's made for more than what we think. <laughs> My mind blown for, for some of y'all. So, so, so next one, um, Tic Tacs. You know, you have a little box of Tic Tac. you got smelly breath, somebody tells you that, maybe it's gone wrong, gone bad. You try to get one out, what happens? You get like 15, right? Half the thing. Well, did you know that the Tic Tac container It's actually made if you turn it on its side and actually have the lid and open it towards the lid, it will take out one to two tic-tacs at a time. Go ahead and try it. Mind blown once again. What about about this? You know, mom, all the moms and and dads, you know, you want to give your kids something healthy to eat, so you pack them applesauce, or maybe you pack applesauce for yourself for lunch, and guess what? Darn it, you forgot the spoon. You forgot the spoon, so, oh, well, can't eat it. Nope, you're wrong, because... What if the lid was actually structured to be twisted and made into a spoon? (laughs) This is truth, folks. You know, this is, it's made for something even more than what we thought. Um, And the last one, this is for all the ketchup fans in the house who like some fries with your ketchup, right? Yeah, got an amen to that. So you go to Wendy's. And those ketchup, our ketchup people, our ketchup people, we we get like 15 little things. We fill them up like one at a time, and then we're carrying them like this, plus the bag of food or the tray, and you're juggling over. Did you know that little ketchup containers are actually expandable? You don't have to carry like 15. You just expand the top of it, and it will spread out. See. Right, y'all are like, this is like mind changing. You're all going to not even pay attention to the rest of the sermon. You're like, this was what God wanted me to come to church for today. But, but connect this to our lives, right? Aren't there things and places and people and gifts that we've been given that we're only harnessing part of the purpose that they were created for? Could they be just right there? And all we need to do is for somebody to point it out. And that's what Jesus is doing right here. He's pointing out this idea that you were made for more. That he's showing them what's always been there. You're made for more than what the world is saying you should be after. That you're made for a greater purpose, but also a greater pursuit. A greater pursuit in life. See, at another time in Jesus' ministry, he told his disciples this. This is a favorite scripture of mine. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, he said, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat, or about your body, what you'll wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, for they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? And then further on, he says, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Even if you don't have a lot of faith don't set your heart on what you'll eat or drink don't worry about it for the pagan world runs after all those things your father knows that you need them but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well See, Jesus, in Luke 12, is repeating this phrase, how much more, over and over and over again. And this was actually a popular rhetorical method that the Jewish rabbis would use to present an argument, basically using a lesser point to prove a greater point. So I'm going to share with you a little modern example. Um, I'm sorry, buddy, if you're watching this. Pastor Buddy um, is a UVA fan, um, even though they are the national champion. So I'm going to say, you know, if... UVA has won one double NCAA national championship. How much? How many more championships will North Carol- University of North Carolina win in the next twenty years? Poor buddy, right? That I'm using something lesser to compare to something greater. <laughs> Amen to that. I use my time. But, but that's what Jesus is doing. So he's taking like something lesser and he's comparing it to something greater that Jesus is saying, don't make the things that the world is teaching you your pursuit. How much more does God care for you and me that you're made for more, but God's kind of more. And, and, and isn't it amazing, right? When, when our primary focus becomes following Jesus, when it becomes God's kingdom, it's amazing how other stuff somehow becomes less important. It becomes less important that those things seem to take care of themselves. But, you know, too often, we continue to see ourselves as trash bags. We think we're trash bags that are just meant to accumulate more and more and more what the world tells us. But Jesus is saying, you were not made for that. Jesus is presenting a bigger mission that he calls us to be more. And that's where a life of faith begins. It begins with an awakening that there is more that you were made for more. But Jesus also shows us that not we're just made for more, but we're also saved for more. So get this. Jesus, of course, has to repeat himself. He often repeats himself to us at certain times. He, says, he said to them, It is not for you to know the time or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We were saved for more. See, when we place our faith in Jesus, when we place our faith in Jesus, it's by God's grace that we're saved. That's what the gospel is, that we don't have to earn our way or work our way. It's not like you have your sin bucket and, and your good bucket and the good bucket someday, hopefully when you die, will outlast or, or be filled higher than your sin bucket. It doesn't work that way. It's by grace through faith that we're saved. That's what the gospel is that we're saved from punishment and sin and death. We're saved from ourselves, really, who brings that upon our, ourselves and our sin nature. But that's only one part of salvation. That's only one part of it. A friend of mine, um, he's a pastor up in Canada, and again, hey, Canadians, right? His name is Brooksy Cavey. And I think he says it the best. I'm just going to quote him. He says, the gospel is not just the message people get saved by. It's the message that saved people live by. We, we get saved from sin and death, but we live by the same gospel. That Jesus did not tell his disciples, imagine this, he did not tell his disciples, build a bunker, huddle together with your little Christian family, and stay here and be protected from the world. He, Jesus doesn't save people how your grandmother saves coupons. He doesn't save people how your parents, or as parents, how you save your preschooler's artwork until it fills up boxes and boxes and boxes, and then before you know it, they're 30 years old, and you decide to drive to their apartment and to drop it off at their doorstep because you don't want to deal with it anymore. I can speak from experience that way, but, but that's, that's not how, how God operates. See, Jesus... He's also not saying, though, he's not saying, well, you got your green card to go to heaven, you got your ticket, you know, so just go live however you want and then come back and, and then you're, you're good to go. He's not saying that either. Instead, he's saying, you're saved here and now for the kingdom on earth. E- eternity does not start when we die. It starts right here and right now. He says, be my witnesses. The Greek word is, is martyrio, the, from which we get the English word martyr which means, uh, you know, a witness is somebody who's seen something, has experienced something, who shares that with another person. In other words, in the kite analogy, this is you. This is you. That as, as a believer, if you place your faith in Jesus, you are the kite that's flown in between heaven and earth so that people who are on earth can see the glory of God through you. And isn't it amazing that it's the cross in the form of the kite that provides the, the stability and the body of it, that each and every one of us is just like this kite in between heaven and earth. You know, it, it's an amazing thing. But, but think for a second, how do you fly a kite? How do you fly a kite? What's the most necessary element to fly a kite? Wind. We would all agree that it's, it's one essential thing, it's wind. And isn't it interesting that in scripture, the Holy Spirit Has the same name as wind. That the Holy Spirit is given the same name. In the Greek, it's called pneuma, from which we get um, pneumonia, you know, the things that have to do with the lungs and breathing and breath. The same word that's used for breath and wind is that which is used for the Holy Spirit. See, God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to do what God's called you to. You don't do it on your own power there's a saying that goes around that says, God will never give you more than you can handle. Has anybody heard that before? Most of us have. Well, that's a bunch of crap. (laughs) It is total, total crap there because, because God will give you more than you can handle. He will let you encounter more than you can handle because he wants to give you the Holy Spirit to overcome what you're facing. That's through his power, not your own power. That that he is made glorified, that, that you can be able to see what God has done into and through your life. And it's true, right? That I can make my own wind. You can make your own wind, you know. You just have to visit the Mexican restaurant and the <laughs> night after that. But 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 seriously, like um, even if today at kite day, if we don't have any wind out there, you know, we can walk and, and tail our kites for a little bit, for a little while, but over time don't we get don't you get tired, right? when you're trying to propel yourself. See, Jesus is telling his disciples, you cannot do this on your own. You cannot do what God has called you to do on your own, that you need the Holy Spirit. He is the power behind you. And it's, this, is, this is really cool. This really blew my mind. It, it, it's, it's amazing that the wind actually is what activates the four forces that result in a kite's flight. You ever wonder how like one of those 747 jets like, Take off. Well, it's amazingly, it's the same forces that are active and activated by the wind when it comes to a kite. Um, it's just that the jet uses jet propulsion, while a kite uses wind as that activating factor. So these, these are the forces. This is the nerd in me, the science geek coming out. I just want to describe to you the forces so, uh, and compare them to us. So the weight, right? Is, the weight is the force of gravity that acts on a certain object or, or mass. That's what the, is pulling the kite downward. Well, I think that represents all that we carry, all of that we have experienced, your story. It's the weight. It's the weight of it. And then there's another force, the lift. The lift, that's the upward force that's generated by the differences in pressure. But you know how lift is generated too? It's the unique shape of the kite. The unique shape of the kite. And I think that represents, the the lift represents uh, our unique design. That each and every one of us has a unique design by God. Do you know that? That we have gifts and talents and and abilities that God has molded us and shaped us into. And that's a part of being made known to the world, a part of our witness to the world, combined with the weight of our story. But you see, there's two other forces. This is what I want to focus on. There's also drag, and there's thrust. So drag is the backward force, opposite to the direction of motion. And you know what drag is caused by? Friction. Friction. Don't we often think of friction as a bad thing? Did you know that combined with the work of the Holy Spirit, it can actually be a propelling force in your life? And then thrust. Thrust is that motion that's pulled forward. And you know what that's caused by? That's caused by the tension of the string. That we need thrust and drag in our lives so that that God can propel us into the purpose that we were created for. But if you're like me, you don't like friction and tension. We try to cut the tension, right? When you're in a conversation, you try to get out of it or, or cut it if it's in a room. But what if, what if friction and tension in our lives is actually a sign of the Holy Spirit blowing? What if those are things that, that God wants to use or is a sign that God is at work in your life? Because often friction, don't, our faith will cost us. You know, there will be friction. Maybe friend, you've had difficult conversations with friends and family members. You know, friction is often a sign that, that of God being at work in your life. And the tension there, to use tension, is, is basically we want to get out of that, right? But what if we need to stay into it so that God can use us to show that hope and to show that love to the world and tension, you know, I've experienced tension. I experience tension all the time, especially in my faith. When, when I want to show Jesus to my friends, but I don't want to participate in the things that they're doing, oh, that's a hard place to be, right? Ever been there? Or, hey, I want to be up on all the latest movies and music, but I know the lyrics. I know what's in them. Oh, that's a really, really tough place to be, tension. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's often that you have, maybe you're in a comfortable job right now but you know God is calling you to something else, and there's a tension. See, the Holy Spirit combined with these shows his greatest work. See, in John chapter 17, Jesus says this in the midst of a prayer. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Often Christians take the phrase in the world but not of it and tend to think of being in the world but not of it as an unfortunate condition that we are tethered. That we want to be free, we want to soar up to heaven, You know that, that we, we're kind of stuck right now somewhere in between Fredericksburg and heaven and we're kind of waiting for the day to just whoop, cut that tie and be released. But Jesus is not saying that. He's saying, don't be of the world. That's not the destination, but that's your starting place. The emphasis in Jesus' prayer is that disciples are going somewhere, that you're going somewhere. You're sent because you, regardless of where you are in in your faith, are sent for more. And and at the end of the passage in Acts, he, he said this. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, imagine, they're just like standing there like this, right? Just watching, waiting. They said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. It reminds me of a time a couple weeks ago when I went to go see the Avengers movie. I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it, don't worry. But the end had, had come and my friend and I were sitting there. And as happens often at the end of movies, isn't there usually like a secret trailer or something? At the end and i had googled very quickly once again the internet never lies right um had told me that there was going to be something later so i along with like half the theater just sat there we sat there like this staring at the screen watching the names go on and on and on and on and then they were over and the lights turned on the theater and the ushers started to clean up popcorn so it was a real downer we just sat there like expecting like there's going to be more there's going to be more. And I imagine that's kind of like what the disciples were like. They were standing there, they thought there was gonna be more, but the angels come to them and say, guys, get off your butts, like and go. Like he just said, You are sent here. That Jesus just delegated his job to you, to me, to, to all of us. Uh, one of the most famous kite stories that we know of, doesn't that concern a guy from Philly? What's his name? History. Hey, What's his name? Ben Franklin, right? I like him because he's from Philly. I don't know if he had an accent. I don't know if you like the Eagles or whatever. But um, so, so story of Ben Franklin, r- really interesting. Um, the, the story of him flying the kite was not about electricity. It was not about discovering electricity. And believe it or not, his kite was not struck by lightning. But what he did was he attached a key to the kite, and he brought his son out with him. I don't know how old William was, but he took him outside, and it was a lightning storm, a bit like last night. And um, his goal in that was basically to determine that and, and to, to ri- take a risk to determine if there was electricity in lightning. Oh, I don't know what that was. Um, there's electricity in lightning. And so that was his whole idea. He tried to go up on top of a church, and they kicked him out because, I don't know, maybe they had a bad insurance policy or something. But he stood out there in the lightning storm and flew this kite, and basically the kite collected ele- ambient electrical charge from the atmosphere, which was transported down the string to his little piece of hemp wire and into a jar that he was actually able to collect the electrical charge. That ben Franklin took a risk with his son to do this, But it's interesting that because he took that risk and he collected that charge, he would not just discover that lightning had a charge to it, but that he would create an invention called the lightning rod, which would then, in the next couple hundred years, save millions of lives. So let me tie that to us. You are sent for more, meaning you are sent for more and more people. It's amazing, when we do baptism celebration services here, When people tell their stories, they they tell stories maybe of scripture, but most of the time they also tell stories of people. People who shared hope and faith and love and joy with them when they were in a dark place or they were curious or trying to find out what they believed. That being sent is risky. It might mean messing up. It might mean it costs you something, but nobody changes the world by sitting. But many of us, just like the disciples, stand there that we wait, for, and we wait for God, but what if he's waiting on you to step out? Maybe that involves the Say Yes campaign, that you're not sure, you know, you've been coming here for a while, you attend occasionally, which means just taking a step out and saying, hey, you know what, God, I'm just going to make myself available and see what you do in the midst of this. Maybe there's somebody at the office or at the work site or a neighbor that, that is just, there's, their name is even maybe in your head right now. Maybe that's God's sign. Maybe to just reach out to them. Just be a friend. You're not going to throw scripture or the Bible in their face. Just to be a friend to them, to be with them. You know, what powerful thing does God want to do that you might be missing that's just right in front of you? And when the disciples discovered that, the book of Acts, the rest of you, I encourage you to read it, shows how they turned the city upside down. And that when they were nudged to step out on a limb of faith, They were obedient and they saw what God did because of it. They did what was crazy. They went to the widows and the orphans, people that at that time were just thrown away into the dirt and they took them in their houses. And even the Romans scratched their head and said, what the heck are those people doing? And it's amazing because this little fledgling movement of many who were poor changed the world. And that's what we're invited to. Because if you're wondering if there is more, there is. And I just want to close with this, um, this is very brief, brief story to hear to sum things up. Um, sometimes when I can't sleep at night, um, I go to the couch and turn on the TV, and of course uh, there's so many channels on, but of course there's nothing to watch, right? Maybe you've been in that situation. But what I can find every single night is an endless stream of products that promise to change my life. <laughs> it's amazing that any time of night, that they tell me I can get thinner, they tell me how to get rid of the muffin top, right? How many get muscular, I can clap, and my lights will turn on and off. That I've even looked for, or tried to watch for self-flying kites, and to this day have not found one. But but did you know that there was a legendary commercial that started the infomercial industry? Does anybody know what it was? Any trivia people here? It was a knife called the Jinsu knife. In the 1970s, anybody have one? They're supposed to last like 50 years. Okay, she still has one. Okay, so the jinsu knife. Um, 1970s and the commercial, I'm gonna read you a little bit of the transcript. The commercial went something like this. They coined a very special saying that we repeat a lot. Commercial started out with a guy karate chopping a board and they said, in Japan, a foot can go through a piece of wood but not a watermelon. But not the jinsu knife. It can cut through a branch and still remain sharp enough to slice through a tomato easily. But wait, there's more. (laughs) So can I, can I uh, ask you guys to participate when I put my hands up like this? Can you say that with me? There's more. Okay. You're also get this. You're also going to get this amazing meat cleaver. It can chop a small steak in half, but still delicately chop mushrooms. It's even designed to be a meat tenderizer. And they said in the commercial, now that's a clever cleaver. Ha, ha, right? We'll throw in this slicing knife. It can cut through a rubber hose and still slice a loaf of bread. How much would you pay for these items that will change your life? We're also going to give you a pair of paring knives and a fruit and veggie knife. It can cut through a screw and a hard-boiled egg and a pizza. We'll even throw in another ginsu knife that can cut through a beer can in half. For the times that you need, well, half a beer can. (laughs) So how much would you pay for these 13 knives with a 50-year guarantee? (laughs) $19.99. One low price. So let me ask for a little grace here. Please humor me. But imagine you have insomnia, you're flipping through the channels, and Jesus appears on the screen. And what channel is it? It's HSN. (laughs) The Holy Spirit Network. And he's telling people about the kingdom of God, and he says this. He says, hey, I, I have something for you, and I'm not selling this. This is free. Do you ever do things you know are wrong or hurt? Or whether, have you ever messed up? Or have you hurt people? Are you, do you have guilt and shame in your life? Well, I'm going to offer you full forgiveness, nothing to be counted against you. You can have a fresh start. I know all of you are afraid to die. I promise if you follow me, you will have eternal life that stretches past your death. And I will give you a full life forever. Not only will I give you eternal life, but I'll give you life now. I will send my Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to train you and guide you so you don't have to do this On your own or figure things out on your own that you will follow my example and be part of a bigger story than you can imagine and I'll be patient with you I can also introduce you to a community of people that you might not think is necessary but it's absolutely necessary to walk this out and these group of people is called the church and they will help you and challenge you and there'll be times that people say things or do things that you don't agree with or what they do But guess what? You will do the same for them. I've given you supernatural abilities to reach out into your city and to share healing, hope, and love with people who need it. If you want to see your community change for the better and more joy, I can do that. And even more, I will promise that one day my kingdom will come to earth completely. That Jesus says, I will promise to restore all of this. That there will be nothing that will come between you and me and we will share a life together. And he asked us, are you in? What would you say? <clears throat> Imagine what would happen if the Holy Spirit got hold of each and every person who walked through these doors, who's a part of Salem Fields Community Church and showed us that there is more. So my question for you is, are you still holding a trash bag? Is your kite remaining grounded or will you dare to take a risk and take a chance to fly?
0: I know that there is more. I know that you are moving, and it just invites you as a. Class.
4: Jesus, we know that you call us to more, God. That that you came to be one of us, to show us the way, to show us the, the truth that only you can share, God. That there's those of us here today who are in places where we're struggling. We're struggling in relationships and and work and 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 even just in our hope and in our faith, God. And you know that nothing is a secret to you. Lord, help us to see that there is more. And, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you're at a place that that you're just having a hard time seeing. And and maybe maybe you just need some prayer at this point. So I'm just gonna ask if if that's you, if you just need someone to pray for you, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Just that you want to see that there's more. You're just having a hard time seeing it. It's my prayer for you that God would show you that, that. God would reveal to you exactly what he's called you to do. And maybe you've never prayed to give control of your life to Christ. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just like that that cheesy commercial I talked about that that Jesus is offering himself to you at no cost just to receive his grace, to turn away from from your past, to turn away from, from the things that you've been a part of, to step into the light and to receive eternal life. And maybe you're here with us in this room or in the cafe or maybe you're worshiping online. And if that's you, Would you have the courage to just slip up your hand that I can pray for you today thank you thank you god bless you and maybe it's a recommitment to say you know what I know that there's more I'm a bored Christian Chris and I've just been going through the motions I'm not even sure why I'm here today but but I feel like I'm called to more and if that's you I ask you to take that risk and to slip up your hand to say, God is calling me to more. Maybe he's calling you to ministry right now. To be a pastor. Maybe he's, he's calling you to leave your cushy job. To, to take a chance and do something that you know you've been called to. Like Jim Carrey shared in that testimony. Lord, we know that. You are a God of more, that you love us in spite of us. You, you love us even though we're messed up trash bags that belong in the dump, but God, you've made us into a new creation to fly. Lord, it's my hope and my prayer that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit to leave these doors changed, that the world around us and circumstances have not changed, but we have been. God, we know you go before us. We know how much you love us. Help us to be the kites that fly from this world into heaven, but to show the world the hope and joy and love that only you can bring. And we praise you and we love you today. We pray this in Jesus' name.